You're listening to the DET 313 NFL Podcast with your host, Nick Donabedian. Oh yeah, we are back. Episode 3 of the DET 313 NFL Podcast. I am your host, Nick Donabedian, and we have a lot to review today. We got to look back at the Monday Night Football loss against the Green Bay Packers. We got to talk about the Jamie Collins situation, him being on the trade block already after week two. And of course, we got to preview the game this Sunday against the Baltimore Ravens. They're coming to the den to see if he can maybe stop this 0-2 skid. But we got to start with the Green Bay game. Um, And I was kind of looking into seeing if there's an analogy, a metaphor, anything that kind of resembled what I saw. And the only thing I could think of in terms of the Lions losing to Green Bay last Monday in Wisconsin, was the Seinfeld episode, the two-faced girlfriend episode of Seinfeld. Um, Jerry dating, I think her name was Gwen or something like that, and you know, one minute she looks attractive, the next, not so much. That was basically the story of our Detroit Lions this past Monday. And let's get into it. Uh, final score, Green Bay definitely outscored us big time in the second half, 21 unanswered points, but guess what? We had the lead at halftime. <laughs> the Detroit Lions outplayed the Green Bay Packers, arguably, throughout the entire first half of that game, which was wild to me to watch and also promising in many ways. But breaking it down, starting with the first half, I mean, the offense, again, legit looked good. It looked good. The offensive line was doing a nice job creating, you know, good running gaps, getting a good push um, at the initial snap. Also, I mean, we got to give a big shout-out to Jared Goff in that first half. Throwing darts all over the place. Nearly perfect in terms of his passing attempts. Moving the ball down the field. And I mentioned last week that if the Lions were going to have a chance to win this game, it would come down to having that sense of urgency right away and also taking shots downfield. And what did we see first drive? Taking shots downfield. Cephas with the big catch. Setting up a go-ahead score. Um, After we went ahead early on, I could tell right away this team was pretty much locked in and ready to play. Um, Hawkinson. Also first half, continued showing why he's now a top 10, not top 10, sorry, top 5 probably, tight end in the entire league right now. Um, Again, getting open, mismatches left and right, scoring another touchdown. That's two consecutive weeks now that Hawk has scored a touchdown for the Detroit Lions. And it's clear to me, just like I'm sure it's clear to everybody else out there, he's the number one option in this passing attack, and, and rightfully so. I mean, he's kind of a freak out there, and like I said, a mismatch no matter who's guarding him. But also, you got to give a shout-out to DeAndre Swift. Um, We knew last year, showed glimpses of it. Um, Get the ball in this guy's hand and good things happen, and and he can show that again. He can make plays, his ability to be elusive in the open field. Uh, Again, the first half of this past game, offensively, I was pleasantly surprised. I thought, you know, this is an offense that looks like it can hang with most teams out there, quite frankly. Uh, And obviously, we'll talk about the second half, as this wasn't the case as the game went on, but... Again, a lot of confidence coming into this game in terms of just knowing that if we can get the offense going a little bit to start, we should be able to hang around, which is what we exactly did uh, at least you know the first two quarters. Now, defensively, the same story as last week. Um, we were definitely outmatched, but you know what? The defense, to their credit, made one to two timely stops to kind of keep the momentum on our sideline and especially given our offense a chance to, again, go toe-to-toe with Aaron Rodgers and typically one of the most, I mean arguably best offenses in the league the last couple of years. So great first half 
from the boys. I think a lot you can build on and a lot despite a rougher second half. You know, optimistic that, you know, we can get this thing to go in a good direction. We have enough ability offensively to at least hang around and maybe win some games this year. But another big thing we got to talk about was end of the first half. A lot of my friends watching the game were talking about clock management by Dan Campbell. And, you know, obviously we got the ball back under two minutes to go. Uh, the team ended up going down, kicking field goal, seven seconds left to take that 17-14 to 14 lead going into the third quarter. Uh, and I was happy with how we managed the clock. And I, I know a lot of people out there saying, well, hey, you know, we let a lot of time slip, especially, I believe, with about a minute 40 to go. We had the ball on Green Bay's 45-yard uh, line, snapped it with about 30 seconds left, only 30 seconds left in the second quarter, uh, got the ball to around the 25. At that point, there's only 24 seconds left. But like I said, came up with points and went into the half with a lead. A lot of people were saying, we need to be more aggressive. You know, what do we have to lose? We're the Lions. We're supposed to lose this game. You know, let's take a shot. Let's give us more chances to really punch an actual touchdown in there. Um, and I hear you. I definitely do. But if you actually listen to, you know, Dan Campbell talk after the game about why he managed the clock the way he did, I was aligned with his thinking. His thinking was essentially this. We've played a really good first half of football. You know, we're hanging around against a team that's favored to beat us. We're at their, you know, home field. They're on a revenge tour after week one, you know, losing like they did to the Saints. All we wanted to do was go into lead with momentum, go, in, go into the half, I should say, with momentum and a lead. But also, you don't want to give the ball back to Rodgers. That was the big thing. You don't want to give the ball back to Green Bay. And, and I also said last week that was going to be a key for us to hang around and potentially steal this game. Keep Rodgers off the field. Keep the off, our offense on there and see what we can do. we got to make sure we convert and get points out of most of our drives. I thought the first half was picture perfect by the Lions. Considering all the lack of talent on this team, again, the situation of who we're playing, where we're playing them, our history in terms of just our matchups against Green Bay never looking good since at least I've been around, I thought the first half was very promising and we showed if things are going right, you can't really just fall asleep on the Lions. You have to truly beat us and outplay us, which, you know, second half is exactly what happened, but I was happy with what I saw. Now, second half was, again, <laughs> a disaster. As great as the first half was, there's a lot of sloppy play for the Lions throughout the whole entire third quarter and especially the fourth quarter as well. And I think for me, starting with the offense, uh, all things changed with about 5.58 to go in the third, fourth and one. Um, you know, Aaron Rodgers had just let his team down, down the field and scored a touchdown. We needed to respond with some type of points to kind of keep momentum completely from slipping away and going Green Bay's direction. And honestly, the fourth and one call, I watched it multiple times. I would have ran the ball. That's just me. I, I, I again, think our offensive line had pr has proven and that's a positive of this team two weeks in that we can get a push and we can dictate the line of scrimmage, at least offensively. And fourth and one, I would hand that ball off to Swift and say, hey, you know what? See that guy that left tackle, Penny Sewell, stud already two games in. I, I, fair to say Sewell is looking like he's going to be the real deal. All indicators are you know pointing that direction. I'd have just handed the ball off to Swift, go right behind your left tackle, and we need one yard to keep this drive alive. But you know what? To Anthony Lynn's credit, the play called was not very bad. In fact, I, I didn't really mind the play call at all. You look back at the film, I mean, Swift was wide open. Check down. 
right in front of the line of scrimmage, would have easily gotten the first down. A couple of the receivers also on the right side of the play seemed to be open and a pretty easy, you know, throw and catch if Goff were to look in that direction. But like I said, this is where things started falling apart for the Lions. I mean, Golf, he has to make a play there. Again, all, all the momentum is about the shift if we can't get this first down. So we got to make a play, a final way to move the chains. And it, to me, it seemed like he'd already determined where he wanted to go with the ball prior to the snap. He was keying in on Cephas the entire time. And when you think about it, I, I get why he might want to key in on Cephas versus other receivers. Um, again, I would have looked at Swift and Hawk first and foremost. Those are probably the two best players that make plays in the passing game if we're going to throw the ball. But Cephas is a really good contested ball catcher. That's what he does. He plays bully ball when it comes to his style of being a wide receiver. And again, golf keyed in on him. Didn't work out. And then after that, the offense just kind of went downhill. Um, as expected, I mean, things got nasty as the game went on. Golf fumbled the snap, giving the ball right back to Green Bay. He nearly fumbled again after losing the grip on the ball. Thank, thank goodness he fell on top of it. Um, then late in the game, similar to game one, um, we're, we're down. I understand. You want to try to make a play, try to just keep us at all in the game, gives a pulse at least, um, forcing a throw to, you know, led to an interception. Tale of two halves for this offense. And I'm optimistic. Like I said, if, if we played as well as we did in the first half, you got to be at least somewhat optimistic that, you know what, it's not a complete disaster. There's pieces of this offense that stand out more than I thought they would. Like I said, Hawk, top five tight end. Swift, elusive. Jamal Williams, had a rougher week two. I'd say a homecoming for him in Green Bay, but still can make plays. I like the one-two punch of Swift and Jamal. And then the offensive line. We knew, we hoped, I should say, that that was going to be a strength going into the season. And after two games, I think it's fair to say that, yes, they are probably the biggest strength of this team, really, as a whole. So take the good with the bad. A lot that we need to clean up that's going to be a reoccurring theme, I'm sure, for the Lions, not just this week, but throughout the season, is just cleaning up the mess, getting better, making less mistakes week over week. But good things to build on, definitely some things to forget and uh, correct for the offense. But the defense, going back to them for the second half, they were outmatched. Outmatched by Aaron Rodgers, outmatched by Aaron Jones. Um, and Aaron Rodgers, I mean, for as much criticism he's gotten this offseason – uh, especially after week one, the poor performance by him and really the Packers in general, um, make an MVP-like throws again against the Lions. And I kind of expected it. You know, I talked about how I thought this game was going to be a blowout. Um, it ended up being a blowout, for sure. That being said, after the first half, I don't think um, I can say it was a complete failure by our team in terms of the effort and, and the promise that we can kind of see in a couple places. But Rodgers, I think it was the drive that really kind of sealed the deal for me that, hey, we're... <laughs> we're losing this game. Deep toss to Devontae Adams down the sideline. Literally a money throw. If he, to his credit, if he played, I thought, a pretty good game for a guy who's getting shoved in there and just kind of thrown around and said, hey, Okuda's out, you got to start. If he looked solid. His positioning was pretty good, and, and the plays that I saw him you know, stand out in, it looked like he was not overly nervous or kind of I guess rattled by the pressure of you know starting your first ever NFL game, game two of your rookie year, against a wide receiver like Devonta Adams, arguably the best receiver in the league. Um, but the sad thing, obviously, is he went down with an injury. And this already young, thin secondary is getting even thinner. 
Um, so not a good look from a health perspective. Uh, we'll see what we can do in terms of just piecing together a at least somewhat competent secondary. It's going to be hard with how young they are and with how inexperienced they are. But, you know, A.J. Parker looking pretty solid, especially for an undrafted rookie, by the way. I mean, talk about a guy who actually is showing some type of promise. Uh, but we've got to let the guys just play, you know. Hey, from here on out, if these injuries continue to mount. You just got to let the young guys play and see what you got in them. But, uh, but getting back to the drive that, again, I thought put the nail in the coffin for us early on that third quarter was Devontae Adams' catch down the sideline. Beautiful ball by Aaron Rodgers. Nothing we're not used to. But also the dime to Tanyan, you know, over the middle. <laughs> Took a 21-17 to 17 lead, and, and once I knew they had the lead, I knew they weren't going to be looking back. So kudos to the MVP. Kudos to the Packers. Uh, like I said, they're more talented. They're better offensively for sure in terms of just the talent they have than us. But um, after that, I, I, the defense, we just couldn't get a, get off the field. We could not find a way to get off the field defensively. And while I'm not surprised by it, it's it's hard to watch. Um, and, and you got to trust the process. And, and we know that we're young. Defensive line, need to get after the quarterback more. Linebacker play to me was the biggest just, wow, red flag week two. I mean, those guys who are out there, Jamie Collins we're going to talk about in a second, um, either too slow Maybe wasn't motivated. I mean, there's a couple guys I thought in the linebacking core who really played hard, but you could just tell the lack of talent was showing, and they were getting exposed. And uh, it's going to take this defense, probably in my opinion, depending on what we do in, in off seasons and with the draft, probably at least two years to fully come together. I think by year three, we should have a defense we can be proud of and a defense that can get some stops. And going to the draft, I know it's never never too early <laughs> to talk about the NFL draft if you're a Detroit Lions fan, but the defense has to be the focus the next couple couple of drafts. I mean, besides Levi and Aleem, who knows if any of these guys are going to be on this defense besides probably those two when this defense make, you know turns the corner and becomes good. There's so many holes that we need to address, so many guys we need to evaluate. Um, it's going to take a while, like I said, and that's going to be really clear to me um, where we kind of need to, again, fill those gaps in. Probably by the end of the season we'll have an idea, like uh, who can stay, who needs to go, what needs to be addressed. But the linebacker play in particular, like I said, was was pretty lackluster against Green Bay. And... <sighs> 0-2, I, I expected it. Everyone expected it. Um, we'll talk about the matchup for Week 3. might not be another uh, fun one to watch for the Lions, but who knows? You know, we could, we're playing at home. We can maybe you know, surprise some people and hang around longer than expected. But all in all in Green Bay, coming out of that game, I, I gave the team a C plus. Slightly better than, than last week, Week 1. And, and the reason why I say that is, again, Lots of areas that were that were not good that we need to improve, um, offensive and defensively. But the first half of that offense, offensive play on our end, it was it was again, <laughs> it was weird to watch because they were legitimately looking like a, a top fifteen offense in the NFL, just in terms of the efficiency. And you know they're not turning the ball over, making timely throws, making plays. You know, I think the biggest takeaway for me through two weeks, and it's only been two weeks, but 
the offense itself, despite the lack of talent on the outside and our receivers, we usually don't just like stall drives. We don't have a ton of, I'd say, three and outs, which is promising. That means the play calling is, is, is good. Anthony Lynn has done, I think, a pretty solid job in terms of calling the offense. And the players who, despite, you know, again, lack of talent in a lot of areas, Goff looked great in the first half. That's the best I've seen Jared Goff look since probably 2018 in L.A. And he looked in control. He looked comfortable in the second half. Yes, he looked out of sorts. But it was promising to see how he played there. So I got to give, because the offense looked good in the first half, a little bit better than the C I gave the team last week. So a C-plus this week. The defense is a disaster still. But, again, give them time. Patience, like we've been preaching. Patience for all of everybody on this team and all of the um, coaches, players. We just got to give them time. But C-plus. And I really like what Dan Campbell had to say after the game. This, to me, was another huge takeaway coming out of week two. He doesn't want this team to be the same old Lions. And and I can see, at least two weeks in, the efforts there. The players are playing super hard, and they're playing for each other. And I, and I think that the coaching staff he assembled is resonating in terms of getting guys to hopefully – you know, keep the energy up, keep the belief up, uh, look to develop, you know, really listen to their coaches and, and try to get better every week. But here's a Campbell said after the game um, that, again, was promising to me in terms of the direction he wants to take this team and what he's trying to instill culture-wise. This is Dan Campbell. I just tell them I don't want to see that shit. They come in. I'm not that type of person. I'm not a negative person. I'm all about going to work. I want guys who are resilient that are willing to go back to work, they love ball, they're going to clean up their mistakes, those are the guys I'm looking for. I'm not a sulker. You're not going to get me down. And those are the types of people I want around me. I want guys who are looking for solutions. We're going to fix our mess because we put ourselves in this mess. That's what I'm looking for. And I think we're going to be fine. We're going to be upbeat. And you know what? It should sting. I hope it does sting. It stings me, talking about the loss. And that's okay. But that doesn't mean you have to be negative or kick the dirt or anything else. And I don't want those type of guys around here. Dan Campbell understands the same old lines. It's it's in our DNA at this point as fans of this team. Because we've seen year after year after year after year Either we get screwed over by officiating or this team makes boneheaded mistakes. We shoot ourselves in the foot. We find ways to lose. Same old Lions, right? Same old Lions talk. Always a popular topic among most Detroit Lions fans. And he gets it. I mean, he was here for it. And to hear him say what he had to say after the game about he doesn't you know, want those type of people in the locker room. That's not how he is. That's not the type of team he wants. He wants guys who are to continue to work and get better and have a different mentality than the last couple of teams. He gets it. He knows what needs to change, and he knows, yes, I'm sure him and Brad have talked, this team is far away from doing anything significant in terms of winning big games or contending for a playoff spot, you know, trying to win the division. They know they're a couple years away. But one thing they can start changing right now is that mentality and the mindset, and that comes with the culture. And if he can instill that year one, and people, again, the players got to gravitate towards it, they got to buy into it, and so far it's, it's early, but it looks like they have. If he can instill that, and make that now the new part of our fabric in terms of who we are, this team, 
that's that's a huge step in the right direction in terms of what we need to do to once again be successful, um, which we haven't been in what seems like forever. And honestly, that's my main takeaway from the Green Bay game. Like I said, offense showed some flashes. Defense is still such a long ways away and it's going to take a lot of time. But the culture is starting to change. And the people who are running the culture, Campbell and his staff in particular, if you listen to all them talk you know, coming out of the loss, they, they hammer home the fact that it's all about progression. That's all about development right now. Like, yes, of course we're judged on wins and losses, and we want to win every game we play. But right now with this team, they all have preached it consistently. We're just trying to get better. We're trying to work on these little things, clean up the mess, help these guys, put them in better spots, teach them how to put themselves in better spots, talk about the players. And that's the right take they need to have right now. And that has to be 100% the focus, not just now, but for the rest of the year. And after this year, yeah, we'll have a better idea of who should, like I said, who should be here, who needs to go, what needs to be addressed, and we'll build in terms of plugging players into those positions of need. But the first thing is establishing the new culture and Dan's hammering that home, which I'm happy he's doing because, you know, that's what we need him to do. Quite frankly, you're one. So that was my take. Green Bay game. I don't want to hammer it home. It's, it's early. It's another loss, which is you know never fun to sit through, but some promise nonetheless. Oh, we got to talk about Jamie Collins. So just this week, it's made public by the, by Dan Campbell, Brad Holmes, you know, Lions organization. Um, he's on the trading block. And I, I don't blame them for this move. Uh, you watch him against Green Bay. There are multiple plays in which... He looked slow. His effort was lacking, or, or maybe his just mind wasn't there in terms of being fully invested into this rebuild. He just looked uninterested. And he's a guy who, you know, historically, damn good linebacker. Pro Bowler in his prime with the Patriots. And athletic. <laughs> the guy's a freak. If you look back at his film and his ability, I mean, he's one of the more gifted, in terms of the athletic ability, uh, linebackers in, in the entire NFL. Um, but he's getting up there in age. He's about 30, 31. He's been around the league for a while. And, and he just, again, he just looks slow. And Campbell said this this week in terms of, again, when they came out and probably said, you know what, we're, we're going to trade this guy. Um, Campbell said he, he gave us what he had, talking about J.B. Collins. And we felt like it was time to move on. We're just in a different place. And, and he's right. We are in a different place. If, I, if I'm Jamie Collins, to be fair to him, why would you want to be part of a – Detroit Lions team that is at the very beginning of a rebuild. You're at the, let's be honest, the twilight of your career. Maybe you can play a couple more seasons if you're lucky health-wise. And why would you want to be stuck on a team like Detroit, who's not ready to contend, who's going to lose a lot of games, whose defense is going to take a long time to get you know, ramped up into a spot where they can make plays and make stops consistently. It's best for Jamie Collins to go somewhere else for his career, for him personally, somewhere where he can actually you know, contribute and contend. And if you're the Lions, you know, it's also probably best for us to, again, move on from a player like Jamie Collins. In all respect to him, you know, we're rebuilding this thing. We need, it needs to be fully invested in that youth movement. And we got Derek Barnes. What do we have with Derek Barnes? We don't know yet. But the key to finding out what we have with him is, is putting him in the game and playing him. So, you know, giving him more of an opportunity, I'm talking about Derek Barnes, by trading away a guy like Jamie Collins um, is exactly what this team needs to do. It's, it's the right 
mindset to have for what's best for this team when it comes to looking down the road. And honestly, the other thing too I've been impressed by with the whole Jamie Collins situation is how professionally the Lions have handled it. This is something you don't see everywhere. You know, you always hear about guys, you know, oh, I out of the blue, I got traded, or, you know, I was cut, no heads up whatsoever, or, you know, hey, this whole thing isn't working out, and there's just a lot of drama, and, and there's a lot of, you know, back and forth between ownership, management, and the player. No, they handle this professionally, which is a pleasant surprise uh, compared to past, you know, Lion regimes. They brought in Jamie Collins, you know, this past week after the loss at Green Bay, and they talked to him man to man. You know, they were transparent with him and got him on board with why they're looking to move him, how it's best for him as well as for them in terms of the rebuild. And what's great about this is if I'm another player, right, maybe either on the current roster of the Lions or even maybe somebody next year, free agent, you know, who's looking to sign somewhere, seeing a team respect their players when it comes to kind of tough situations like this and how they handle it and always bring the player in, you know, being honest with them and forming that relationship and that, again, respect, mutual respect, that, that's going to go a long way. You know, people in the league talk about stuff like that. Players understand, hey, you know what, what Detroit's doing is they have a new culture and, and, and they're treating their players well. That's something I want to be part of. So, again, I'm, I'm happy about Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes, how they're handling it with Jamie Collins. And kudos to Jamie Collins, like I said, man. He was in a tough position here in Detroit. Um, coming in with Matt Patricia and, and you know, Bob Quinn, uh, thinking he's going to help bring that Patriot way. And then he's got to become of a brand new rebuild that's, you know, really building everything from the ground up, which is going to take a while. He could have come in with a bad attitude this year. He could have come in and just complained, I, I don't want to be here. Um, didn't hear any of that out of his mouth. So I, I, I respect his, you know, professionalism in terms of handling the situation here in Detroit. I really respect Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell um, treating their players, you know, as equals to them and, and, you know, being just real, being real with your players in your roster. Um, so kudos to all of them. And I don't think this is going to be the last trade we see this year. I really do not. I, I think the writing is on the wall that Taylor Decker, whenever he returns, First off, we've talked about it a little bit, but Penny Sewell, once again, week two, I mean, he's your left tackle. Two weeks in, it is very clear to me that Penny Sewell needs to stay at left tackle, never move from left tackle. He is your left tackle, hopefully for the next 10 plus years. Let him sit there, let him develop. And when Taylor Decker gets back, you have the conversation with him. Just like you did with Jamie Collins. You bring him in, talk to him, say, hey, we want you here. We know you're talented. We want you, though, to play right tackle. And if you don't want to play right tackle, out of respect for you, we understand we will look to move you. And if you handle the situation similarly to you handled, you know, the Jamie Collins, just like I said, just talking to Decker about it and being honest with him, I think what will end up happening, and who knows, Decker says he's a team player, maybe he will want to switch over the right tackle, but I think Decker will want to probably go elsewhere as well. A similar situation as Jamie Collins. I mean, Decker, I think, is around 28 years old. So he's, again, on the back nine of his career, if you will. And why would you want to be, one, switching positions to right tackle, two, being part of another rebuild with who knows how long it's going to take to get this team in the right spot. If he wants to trade, trade him. Get picks for him. He, unlike Jamie Collins, can actually get you pretty good draft capital, I'd assume. I mean, 
guy's borderline top 10 left tackle when he's on the field and talk about Taylor Decker, you could be able to get a second round pick for him. I mean, arguably, maybe a first if someone is desperate. And I'm talking about like a contender that's desperate. You know, maybe someone goes down at left tackle and they need to fill that hole to truly contend for a Super Bowl. Decker would be a perfect person to slide right in there. So, again, happy with how they handle Jamie Collins' uh, decision in terms of, like, getting him out of here. It's not a good fit. No hard feelings. You know, best of luck to you. And they're just embracing the youth movement. It's time to embrace the youth movement. We, the biggest thing we need to accomplish in 2021 for the Detroit Lions is understand where your roster is at and where it needs to go. There's so many question marks because there's so many young guys on this team. We have no idea what we have in half of them, all of them, really. You want to play them. Play them, see what you got, see how much they can grow, see if, you know what, we really like how this guy progresses year around. Or you know what, this guy, he didn't really get any better and he's not what we thought or we're hoping we get out of him you need veteran leadership like brockers for example brockers is fantastic in terms of just kind of setting a tone and being a vocal vet in the locker room but the rest of this team for the rest of this year needs to be focused on just playing the youth Derek barnes perfect example it's time to get him in there see you jamie collins boom Derek. it here you go you know aj parker like i know you're undrafted but hey here you go you're starting now you know, iffy before his injury. Hey, Okuda's out. Next man up, that's you. And it's going to be a lot of growing pains for us fans and for the players. But they're taking the right. They're taking the right steps to get this rebuild going and continue to go in the right direction. I mean, think of how many times in the past with the Lions. Where we have had guys come in here, coaches come in here, GMs come in here, and you know what we're going to do? <laughs> we're just going to patch this thing up and we're going to find a way to win. And we're going to keep Matthew Stafford around because, well, he's Matthew Stafford, and we're going to keep some of these other guys around who we like, but we're just going to you know, put our twist on the team and our culture, and um, we're going to find a way to win with what we already got. That doesn't work. That rarely anywhere works, and especially has not worked with the Detroit Lions. So for this thing to truly, I think, become what we want it to become, you got to do what, what Brad Holmes is doing. Get rid of guys who, who you know aren't part of the solution. Play the young guys. Let Dan Campbell-Staff coach them up, see what you got, and just continue to plug the holes through the draft, you know, through free agency, and just grind. It's got to be a grind the next three years, but they're doing everything right. So that is another thing that I'm optimistic about. We know this is going to be a long year, but everything points towards we're doing the right moves, taking the right steps to get this team in a better position to succeed down the road. I can't be mad at that, and neither should you. But how's that, Jamie Collins? Uh, we talked about Green Bay. Uh, we got to talk about Baltimore. Week three. And, man, <laughs> the NFL gave us a doozy of a schedule to start the year. I mean, 49ers. Let's give you guys the Lions. You know, the banged-up 49ers from last year weren't banged up to start the year. Took it to us until, you know, somehow we, we clawed our way back in that one. I mean, then got to go to Green Bay on Monday night. And that's another loss. And week three, now we got to go against Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. And Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens, what scares me about them, obviously Lamar's play is phenomenal when he gets out and can make plays. But 
they just had a season-defining win this past week. I mean, Sunday Night Football, they're hosting Kansas City, uh, who's really been Lamar Jackson's kryptonite in his first you know, couple seasons here in the league. Um, the pull out a win against that team, you know, 36 to 35, and it'll probably be one of the best games, if we're going to be honest with ourselves, this year. Um, they're at a high right now. Baltimore is feeling it. He even said this week, I'm ready, I'm excited to go play Detroit, and I can't blame him. Um, man, it's going to be a tough one when Baltimore comes to town tomorrow. The biggest thing for me in terms of why it's going to be a long game potentially for us is the run game of Baltimore's is it's number one in the NFL, and it's really not even close. They, they league leading 220 rushing yards per game. The Ravens. And, of course, there's misdirection in terms of who's going to carry the ball. They have a couple running backs over there, you know, Latavius Murray, um, Devontae Freeman. But really, it starts with Lamar. You look back at what he did rushing the ball against Kansas City. I mean, he rushed for over 107 yards and two touchdowns and 16 carries. Now, Casey's defense is, is nothing to, you know, toot your own horn about. They're pretty bad right now, but they're better than ours. <laughs> if he did that against KC, imagine what he can do against against our, our defense. And he And he also is an improviser which I think is the biggest thing that makes me nervous about going up against Lamar Jackson is, you know, yes, there's going to be designed runs for him, but if a play breaks down and he sees an opening, he's going to go and take it. No doubt about it, he's going to go and take it. So I'm, I'm nervous to see how we try to contain him, if he can at all. And I also expect Mark Andrews to have a big game. This guy signed up, you know, a four-year extension this offseason, arguably one of the, usually in the last couple of years, one of the best tight ends in the league, probably top five last couple of years, really since Lamar took over at quarterback, has been, uh, prior to this year, his number one target. And the reason why I think Mark Andrews is going to have a big game, well, one, I'm hoping because he is on my fantasy team, quite frankly, but also he's going to be going up against our linebackers. I mean, Robert Tanyan took advantage of Alex, you know, our favorite linebacker coming out of it last week. Um, it's just, oh, man, our linebackers are going to have a tough time covering him, especially with a quarterback who can improvise the way Lamar can. So I expect Mark Andrews to have a big game. I expect Lamar Jackson to have a big game. Um, in order for us to have an opportunity to somehow win, uh, our offense needs to keep us in this game. I need to keep up. I know it's a hard thing to ask, but you got to keep up with Baltimore's offense. You know, Dan Campbell alluded last week coming out of our loss to Green Bay how he put the loss and put the blame, really, on, on the offense. Now, of course, everyone probably at home is thinking, well, we got to get stops. <laughs> you know, we, we can't just blame the offense. The defense has to make stops. That's true. But it's pretty obvious, you know, after two weeks, I mean, our defense has given up, on average, 38 points after two weeks. We can't bank on them making stops. And, and the only way for us to win games is you have to put the pressure and the expectation on the offense that, hey, you're going to have to carry us. Like You're going to have to help win us the game. If you can't do that, then we're, we're going to lose. So it's going to come down to the offense has to make plays. The offense has to you know keep up with what the Ravens are doing. And um, it shouldn't be too hard of an ask, I don't think. You know, I think Baltimore gets a lot of excitement around them because of Lamar Jackson and the offense. But... Their defense, despite making some you know timely turnovers last week against Kansas City, I mean they've let up 33 points against the Raiders, 36 against KC. So it's you know they can get scored on. 
sorry, 35 against Kansas City. But they can let teams score against them. So it's going to come down to we got to be efficient and effective offensively. Now, let's get into the prediction for the week. Spread, Baltimore, they're getting, you know, minus 7.5. Um, total points as well, looking at around 50.5. I like the over on total points. I think there'll be more than 50 points scored this game. I, I think it's actually a pretty safe bet based off of both defenses not being, um, one, one being trash and the other being, you know, okay, average at best. I think, though, in terms of the spread, it's actually pretty good, pretty good in terms of the prediction. I think in terms of final score, I got Baltimore 38. I got Detroit 31. So I got us covering barely. Now, again, I'm putting a lot of faith in the offense based on what I saw, you know, first half last week and what I think they can do against a, a subpar defense this week. But 38-31, Baltimore over Detroit. It's going to be an offensive battle. I think the Lions will end up hanging around much longer than expected, um, really giving the fans, you know, there at Ford Field at least something to be, you know, entertained by, you know, throughout the entire game. But it's going to be a tough one for the boys to come out with the W. But I'm excited for it. I think it's actually somewhat of a trap game for Baltimore. Um, again, I, I think everyone's so high on them because they beat KC. Even though if you look actually back at you know the play, KC should have probably won that game last week. If Carlos Edward Hilaire doesn't fumble that ball, they're already in field range, the Chiefs, to, to go ahead and win that game. And then you're talking about an 0-2 Baltimore team. So we got to pump the brakes in the Baltimore hype train. I expect it to be a pretty good matchup. Like I said, it'll be another loss, but I think there's going to be more um, optimism hopefully coming out of it. And the other thing I'm looking really forward to before we kind of sign off here is, you know, shout out to Calvin Johnson. There's a Hall of Fame halftime ring ceremony is going to be this week. Uh, according to Joyke Bell on Woodward Sports, he will be in the building, Calvin Johnson. Uh, so I'm excited to see, you know, him get his respect and his due from the fans. Um, I'm also really <laughs> anxious to see who from the team is going to be out there, you know, with him, representing him and, you know, the Lions organization that he, oh, he loves. Calvin Johnson loves the Lions, as we know. <laughs> Talked about that last week. So I'm excited for that. I'm excited for the game. And I'm excited to see what we do. You know, I want to see this team respond. We're, we're 0-2. That's the reality of the situation. And, um, you know, Dan Campbell and the boys, they just got to continue to grind, like I was saying. And I'm excited to see if we can uh, hold our own against a team that no one expects us to do anything against and really, quite frankly, probably be embarrassed by. So good luck to our Lions. We'll see what happens. And uh, let's keep it rolling into the next week. Have a good weekend, everybody.